If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. We love to share with you tales here that will put you to sleep, or at the very least, in a most relaxed space. Stories that take you to a faraway land, or let your mind drift to a place of peace, of serenity. Our story is one that has been told for hundreds of years, and it's about a poor boy and his fortunes. I hope you enjoy Aladdin and his wonderful lamp, brought to you by the wonderful duo at Envy Pillow, created by Kathy and Kim, two RNs. I've been a fan, a customer, for nearly two decades, and they just keep improving getting better and greener with time, now with germ-clearing copper. These pillows are copper-infused, supportive, comfortable, and kind to Mother Earth. And now, listeners to Drift get 10% off all purchases using the code DRIFT. Learn more in the morning at Envy. That's envypillow.com. Let's get you comfortable and ready for your sleep. Take a deep breath in, sinking into whatever you find yourself resting in right now, your body feeling heavy, and exhale, letting out all of your cares of the day. And now, once more, in. And as you exhale, think these words I am safe, I am loved, I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. Aladdin was the only son of a poor widow who lived in China. But instead of helping his mother to earn their living, he let her do all the hard work, while he himself only thought of fooling around and having fun. One day, he was doing just that, playing in the streets, when a stranger came up to him, saying that he was his father's brother and claiming Aladdin as his long-lost nephew. Now, Aladdin had never even heard that his father had a brother. But as the stranger gave him money and promised to buy him fine clothes, and set him up in business, he was quite ready to believe all that the man told him. But things were not at all as they appeared. For you see, the man was a magician who wanted to use Aladdin for his own purposes. The next day, the stranger came again, brought Aladdin a beautiful suit of clothes, gave him many good things to eat, and took him for a long walk, 
telling him stories all the while to amuse him. After they had walked a long way, they came to a narrow valley, bounded on either side by tall, gloomy-looking mountains. Aladdin was beginning to feel tired, and he did not like the look of this place, not at all. He said to the man, I am grateful for your kindnesses, but sir, I just want to go home now to my mother. But the stranger would not let him. No, no, you ungrateful boy. You shall follow me, and you shall do as you are told. Surprised at the tone of this man, who had seemed so very generous and kind, Aladdin did as he was told, until at long last they reached the place where the so-called uncle intended to carry out his evil design. He made Aladdin gather sticks to make a fire, and when they were in a blaze, he threw into them some powder, at the same time saying some mystical words which Aladdin could not understand. Immediately they were surrounded with a thick cloud of smoke. The earth trembled and burst open at their feet, disclosing a large flat stone with a brass ring fixed in it. Aladdin was so terribly frightened that he was about to run away. But the magician grabbed him by his cloak. Poor Aladdin beseeched the man, Uncle, what have I done that you should treat me so? You should not have tried to run away from me, said the magician, when I have brought you here only for your advantage. Under this stone there is a hidden treasure which will make you richer than the richest monarch in the world. You alone may touch it. If I assist you in any way, the spell will be broken. But if you obey me faithfully, we shall both be rich for the rest of our lives. Come, take hold of the brass ring and lift the stone. Aladdin forgot his fears in the hope of gaining this wonderful treasure and took hold of the brass ring. To his amazement, it yielded right away to his touch, and he was able to lift the great stone quite easily and move it, disclosing a flight of steps leading down into the ground. Go down these steps, commanded the magician, and at the bottom you will find a great cavern divided into three halls full of vessels of gold and silver. But take care you do not meddle with these. If you touch anything in the halls, you will meet with instant death. The third hall will bring you into a garden planted with fine fruit trees. When you have crossed the garden, you will come to a terrace 
where you will find, carved out in the wall, a niche. In the niche, there is a lighted lamp. Take the lamp down, and when you have put out the light and poured away the oil, bring it to me. If you would like to gather any of the fruit of the garden, you may do so, provided you do not linger. Then the magician put a ring on Aladdin's finger, which he told him was to protect him from evil, and sent him down into the cavern. Aladdin found everything, just as the magician had described. He passed through the three halls, crossed the garden, took down the lamp from the niche, poured out the oil, put the lamp into his vest, and turned to go back. As he came down from the terrace, he stopped to look at the trees of the garden, which were laden with wonderful fruits. To Aladdin's eyes, it appeared as if these fruits were only bits of colored glass. But in reality, they were jewels of the rarest quality. Aladdin filled his pockets full of the dazzling things, for though he had no idea of their real value, he was attracted by their brilliance. He had so loaded himself with these treasures that when at last he came to the steps, he was unable to climb them without assistance. Please, uncle, give me your hand to help me out. Give me the lamp first, replied the magician. Really, uncle, I cannot do so until I'm out of this place, answered Aladdin, whose hands were, indeed, so full that he could not get at the lamp. But the magician refused to help Aladdin up the steps until he had handed over the lamp. Aladdin was equally determined not to give it up until he was out of the cavern. And at last, the magician fell into a furious rage. Throwing some more of the powder into the fire, he again said the magic words. No sooner had he done so than there was a tremendous thunderclap. The stone rolled back into its place, and Aladdin was a prisoner in the cavern. The poor boy cried aloud to his supposed uncle to help him, but it was all in vain. His cries could not be heard. The doors in the garden were closed by the same enchantment, and Aladdin sat down on the steps in despair and began to cry, knowing that there was little hope of his ever seeing his mother again. For two terrible days he lay in the cavern, afraid and waiting for death. On the third day, Realizing that it could not now be far off, he clasped his hands in anguish 
thinking of his mother's sorrow. And in so doing, he accidentally rubbed the ring which the magician had put upon his finger. Immediately, a genie of enormous size rose out of the earth, and as Aladdin started back in fright and horror, said to him, What wouldst thou have of me? Who are you? gasped Aladdin. I am the genie of the ring. I am ready to obey thine commands, came the answer. Aladdin was still trembling, but the danger he was in already made him answer without hesitation. Then, if you are able, deliver me, I beseech you, from this place. Well, the words had scarcely gotten out of his mouth when he found himself lying on the ground at the place to which the magician had first brought him. He hurried home to his mother, who had mourned him as dead. As soon as he had told her all of his adventures, he begged her to get him some food, for now he had been three days without eating. Alas, child, replied his mother, I have not a bit of bread to give you. Never mind, mother, said Aladdin. I will go and sell the old lamp which I brought home with me. I'm sure I shall get a little money for it. His mother reached down to pick up the lamp, but seeing how dirty it was, she thought it would sell better if she cleaned it. Now no sooner had she begun to rub it than a hideous genie appeared before her and said in a voice like thunder, What wouldst thou have of me? I am ready to obey thy commands, I and all the other genies of the lamp. Well, Aladdin's mother fainted away at the sight of this creature. But Aladdin, having seen the genie of the ring, was not so frightened, and said boldly, I am hungry. Bring me something to eat. The genie disappeared, but returned in an instant with twelve silver dishes filled with different kinds of savory meats, six large white loaves, two bottles of wine and juice, and two silver drinking cups. He placed these things on the table and then vanished. Aladdin fetched the water and sprinkling some on his mother's face, soon brought her back to life again. When she opened her eyes and saw all the good things the genie had provided, she was overcome with astonishment. To whom are we indebted for this feast? Has the sultan heard of our poverty and sent us these fine things from his own table? Never mind how they came here, mother. 
Let us first eat. Then I will tell you. Mother and son made a hearty meal. And then Aladdin told his mother that it was the genie of the lamp who had brought them the food. His mother was greatly alarmed and begged him to have nothing further to do with genies, advising him to sell the lamp at once. But Aladdin would not part with such a wonderful possession, and resolved to keep both the ring and the lamp safely, in case he should ever need them again. He showed his mother the fruits which he had gathered in the garden, and his mother admired their bright colors and dazzling radiance, although she too had no idea of their real value. Not many days after this, Aladdin was walking in the streets of the city when he heard a fanfare of trumpets announcing the passing by of the princess Baurulbador the sultan's only daughter. Aladdin stopped to see her go by and was so struck by her great beauty that he fell in love with her on the spot and made up his mind to win her for his bride. Mother, he said, I cannot live without the princess Belrubador. You must go to the sultan and demand her hand in marriage for me. Aladdin's mother burst out laughing at the idea of her son wishing to be the son-in-law of the sultan and told him to put such thoughts out of his head at once. But Aladdin was not to be laughed out of his ideas. He knew by this time that the fruits which he had gathered from the magic garden were jewels of great value. And he insisted upon his mother taking them to the sultan for a present and asking the hand of the princess in marriage for her son. Well, the poor woman was terribly frightened, fearing the sultan should punish her for her impudence but Aladdin would hear of no excuses. And at last she set forth in fear and trembling, bearing the jewels on a china dish covered with a napkin. When she came before the sultan, she told him, with many apologies and pleas for forgiveness, of her son's mad love for the princess Balrulbador. The sultan smiled at the idea of the son of a poor old woman asking for the hand of his daughter and asked her what she had under the napkin. But when the woman uncovered the jewels, he jumped up from his throne in amazement for he had never before seen so many large and magnificent jewels collected together. He thought Aladdin must be a very unusual and extraordinary person 
to be able to make him such a valuable present. And he began to wonder whether it might not be worthwhile to bestow the princess's hand upon him. However, he thought he would ask for some further proof of the boy's wealth and power. So, turning to the woman, he said, Good mother, tell your son he shall have the princess for his wife as soon as he sends me forty urns made of gold filled with jewels as valuable as these carried by eighty servants. Hasten now and carry him my message. I will await your return. Aladdin's mother was dismayed at this request. Where can Aladdin get such urns and jewels and servants, she thought, as she hurried home to him. But Aladdin only smiled when his mother gave him the sultan's message. He rubbed the lamp, and at once the genie stood before him, asking him what was his pleasure. Go, said Aladdin. Fetch me forty urns, all of massive gold, full of jewels, borne by eighty servants. The genie brought these things at once, and Aladdin then sent his mother with them to the sultan. The sultan was amazed at this wonderful show of wealth and at the quickness with which it had been brought, and he sent for Aladdin to come to the court. Aladdin first summoned the genie to bring him fine clothes and a splendid horse and an entourage fit for the future son-in-law of the sultan. And then with a train of servants bearing magnificent presents for the princess, he set out for the palace. The sultan would have married him to his daughter at once, but Aladdin asked him to wait until the next morning, when he hoped to have a palace worthy to receive his wife. Once again, he summoned the genie to his aid and commanded him to build a palace that in beauty and magnificence should surpass any that had ever been built on the earth before. The next morning, when the sultan awoke on his wedding day and looked out of his window, he saw, opposite to his own, the most wonderful palace he had ever laid eyes on. The walls were built of gold and silver and encrusted with diamonds, rubies, and emeralds and other rare and precious stones. The stables were filled with the finest horses. Beautiful gardens surrounded the building and everywhere were hundreds of servants to wait on the princess. The sultan was so overcome with all the magnificence that he insisted upon marrying his daughter to Aladdin that very day, and the young couple took up their residence in the palace that the genie had built. For a time they lived very happily, 
But then the magician, who had gone off to Africa after he had left Aladdin to perish in the cavern, happened to hear of Aladdin's fame and riches. Guessing at once the source of all this wealth, he returned right away to China, determined to gain possession of the magic lamp. He bought a number of new and beautiful lamps, disguised himself as an old beggar man, and then, waiting until Aladdin was out hunting, he came to the windows of the palace, crying out, New lamps for old! New lamps for old! When the princess heard this strange cry, she was very much amused. Let us see, she said to her ladies, whether this foolish fellow means what he says. There is an ugly old lamp in Aladdin's room. And taking the precious lamp, which Aladdin always kept by his bedside, she sent it out to the old man with one of her servants, saying, Give me a new lamp for this. The magician was overjoyed. He saw at once that it was the very lamp he wanted, and giving the princess's servant the best of the new ones in exchange, he hurried away with his treasure. As soon as he found himself alone, he summoned the genie of the lamp and told him to carry himself, the palace, and the princess to the farthest corner of Africa. This order the genie at once obeyed. When Aladdin returned from hunting and found that his wife and his palace had vanished, he was overcome with anguish, guessing that his enemy, the magician, had by some means gotten possession of the lamp. The sultan, whose grief and anger at the loss of his daughter were terrible, ordered him to leave the court at once and told him that unless he returned in forty days with the princess safe and well, he would have him jailed for life. Aladdin went out from the sultan's presence, not knowing what to do or where to turn. But after he had wandered about for some time in despair, he remembered the ring which he still wore on his finger. He rubbed it, and in a moment the genie stood before him. But when Aladdin commanded him to bring back the palace and the princess, the genie answered, What you order is not in my power. You must ask the servant of the lamp. I am only the servant of the ring. Then, said Aladdin, if you cannot bring my palace to me, I command you to take me to my palace. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than he found himself standing in Africa, close to the missing palace. 
the princess who since the moment when the magician had had her in his power had not ceased to weep and lament for her foolishness in exchanging the lamp happened to be looking out of the window and when she saw Aladdin she nearly fainted with joy and sent a servant to bring him secretly into the palace. Then she and Aladdin made a plan to get the better of the magician and to recover the lost lamp. Aladdin summoned the genie of the ring, who procured for him a very powerful sleeping powder, which he gave to the princess. Then Aladdin hid himself behind some curtains in the room, and the princess sent a message to the magician, asking him to join her for supper. The magician was delighted at the princess's invitation and accepted it joyfully, never dreaming, of course, that Aladdin had found his way to Africa. As they were eating and drinking together, the princess put the sleeping powder into the magician's cup of wine, and no sooner had he tasted it than he fell down in a deep sleep as if he was dead. This was Aladdin's chance. Hastily coming out from behind the curtains, he snatched the lamp from the magician's pocket and called the genie of the lamp to come to his assistance. The genie, having first thrown out the magician, then carried the palace with the princess and Aladdin back to the spot from which it had been taken. How great was the sultan's joy at receiving back his daughter! The whole city was taken over with rejoicing, and for ten days nothing was heard but the sound of drums and trumpets and cymbals, and nothing was seen but fireworks and gorgeous entertainment in honor of Aladdin's safe return. Aladdin and the princess ascended the throne after the sultan died, and they lived long and happily, and had many beautiful children. As for the magician, well, no mention is made of him in his story, which tells us that he did not, in fact, live happily ever after. And you know what? That's okay. <laughs> and with that, the story of a resourceful young man who had at his fingertips all the genies. We will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>